American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into episode six of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on the American Hammers Network via American Hammers Radio. <laughs> this is Tex, your host, joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself. Liam Bright. How are you this evening, Liam? Uh, I could be better. I'll be honest. I, I could be a lot better. Uh, this week, I have been furious every day. I have woken up angry. I have gone to bed angry. And the only reason my blood pressure isn't through the roof is because I have a gorgeous wife and two lovely children to keep my sanity in check. So I realized before I go on a rampage, I got to keep calm for them. No, fuck that. <laughs> Because everybody that dons the claret and blue should be incredibly furious for what has happened to West Ham United over the weekend. Such a, uh, it's not even a shit result. It's a shit choice. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, with that said, I think we need to crack the bottle. Yes. And uh, here we go. If you heard that noise, you know, we are sipping on, as we've been informed today, God's Tears, known as whiskey. Yeah. So uh, we've got God's Tears sipping on uh, Law's Whiskey House out of Denver, Colorado. Yet again, we're going to polish this boy off. So cheers to my boy, Liam, as we sip on this, because even no amount of this is going to be able to settle the nerves of what happened to West Ham United on Saturday. So bottoms up, Liam. Slancha. But fuck everything. That is a referee or VAR. <laughs> Agreed. Oh man. Delicious. Okay. God, that one's smooth. All yeah. right. So obviously West Ham United on Saturday um, had another London Derby back to back against Tottenham. This time they have to go to the bridge and battle West London posh ash Chelsea. <laughs> so uh, West Ham early in the game. In the first half, both teams kind of filling each other out, uh, not figuring it out. West Ham score a West Ham goal um, in the 61st minute of the second half. Mikhail Antonio uh, getting one in after it was assisted by Declan Rice. Then uh, not too far later, Ben Chilwell, after coming on as a sub, uh, got to hand it to him. It was kind of a brilliant goal. Uh, I think there's a little bit of luck there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Fabianski, I think he has to take a little bit of the blame here. You know, look, when you play goalie, you got to be like a 16-year-old girl. You got to keep those legs closed, okay? You got to keep those <laughs> legs closed. Um, and I think he learned his lesson there. Um, obviously, uh, then Kai Havertz um, comes on. Um, but before that, in a 1-1 game, we bring on Cornet. And Cornet changed a little bit of the game. Had a beautiful opportunity after a ball in from Benarama. Uh -huh. Um you're dead to rights on the goal. You got to make it. I think he knows it. He is fading away from the goal, uh, how he's moving. So I know it was a tougher header than it looked to us, Yeah. but he hits the post and wouldn't, you know it on the ensuing attack. Of course, Kai Havertz one times it in after Chelsea gets some possession deep in West Ham's half makes it two one. Next thing, you know, West Ham are driving down. They're playing great. All of a sudden we get a shot, um, from Bowen or a missed ball from Bowen. If it was, it was a header that they were trying to head it back to Mendy and it didn't have enough pace on it. And Bowen, he loves those. And he's gotten Mendy on this one last season where he's faster than him. It's, yep. it's always the case, but he slips when he runs. 
And of course, Mindy kicks the ball out. Bowen has to jump over the defender. The ball is spilled. Cornet picks it up, makes up for his miss, slots it up in the upper 90. It was in stitches at the Chelsea bar for the Fresno Irons. We're absolutely going ape shit. They're quiet. And then we see a gathering of people on the pitch, and that's never a good sign. And then they start talking. Mindy is incensed and seems to be injured beyond repair. Um, He looks like he just found out he has a disease in which he cannot come back from, which is called pussyitis. (laughs) Um, And so when he found out that he was infected with such pussyitis, he did what everybody did, and he started to scream like a bitch. And the next thing we knew... The VAR referee is calling Andrew Madley, the ref, who let the goal stand. Yeah. Who had vision and saw it. You look at the replays. He's looking at Bowen. Goes to the review. And as we know, Liam, anytime you watch anything in slow motion, it shows you things that aren't. And they never once showed him the play in full speed. Real time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a frustration. I think that should be a requirement. Yeah. And of course, Madley comes away from the monitor, disallows the goal. West Ham are now back to one. And after that, I think every West Ham United player and fair play to the Chelsea group here in Fresno, not one of them said, oh, that's a foul. They all just kind of kept their mouths shut because I think they knew. And it's, I don't even think it's debatable, Liam. I really don't. No. Um, and it was very, uh, it was very prevalent how the players felt. Declan Rice put out a twit, a twit, a twit. Yeah. <laughs> he put out a tweet um, about the twats in the VAR room and Andrew Madley, who is the king of all twats, because he has about you know who runs his relationship. It's not him. He probably gets run over by his dog. I bet he his dog <laughs> sleeps in the bed and he sleeps on the ground because that's the type of backbone that he has. If he does have a girlfriend, she's a grade A bitch, and we know that yeah. because no man that has any self-respect would not stand up for what they called on the pitch. Um, frustrating. I love how uh, David Moyes uh, phrased it, a absolutely scandalous decision. Yeah. So West Ham fall yet again, and it's starting to get scary. The ball's not bouncing our way. We are continually dropping only four points through, I believe six games, yeah. um, which is starting to get scary for us. So Liam, With all that, what are your thoughts on the weekend with West Ham's visit to the bridge? I mean, I was, I was pissed at the result. I was, I was happy to go back because it was the first time going back to hook hook and ladder uh, since actually the very first time I came out to meet with the Fresno irons in December of 2019. Oh, tears. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, So it was, it was bittersweet going back for obvious reasons. uh, Even before the, uh, a single ball was kicked on the pitch, but uh, I had high hopes. I, I, I believe in the last uh, episode, I, I predicted a 2-1. Um, Chelsea had been very uh, disorganized, uh, especially with the number of players and the money that they had spent bringing in. Uh, for us, I felt like we were growing into the game from from each match, and we just had a, a bit, of, uh, a bit of, of luck missing from some of those earlier matches that I felt like we had more of than this one. But it's the... For this one, this was like a Mike Dean level officiating style where just 
at the end of the day, the entire conversation centered, centered around Andrew Madley and Jared Gillette, which who was the, uh, the VAR ref. It's just, it's maddening to me to have a game of this caliber and to have what is supposed to be the greatest league in the world that does not have an officiating crew to match that level of, of uh, prominence, especially in a game as important as a London Derby, right? Like it's, it's infuriating to me because this was an opportunity for us to continue to gain the momentum that we had coming out of the, the Tottenham game, you know, one, one draw at home probably should have won that game as well with this one. I think in the moment I felt like Chelsea had a shit ton of possession, but when I actually look back at like the highlight reels, we had well, way more chances. Like, like think about uh, like Antonio hits one off the post in the first half or no, that was the Tottenham game that he did yeah. in the first half, but he had a, some, some decent breakaways. Bowen had some decent breakaways, but Bowen cannot catch a break when it comes to fouls. He is constantly fouled without the whistle ever being blown the uh, obviously with Skamaka being out, we were kind of limited in what we could do with attack. It meant that Antonio was going to have to play pretty much the entire 90 or damn well close to it. But contrary to what we had last season, we had impact players that could come in off the bench, like having Cornet, having Ben Rama that can come in and really change the, the way the game is played. I mean, for fuck's sake, we were able to bring in Ogbonna as, as a third center back to shore up that back line. So, we could send numbers forward to try to get that winner. Moyes always gets lambasted for playing too defensively. I actually felt like he was bringing on the right, the right uh, formation of players to still go after Chelsea and try to get that, that winning goal. And to do that away from home at the bridge, which he has never won at Stamford bridge. I mean, this that's huge for Moyes and it shows his belief in the squad. So, I'm hoping that lessons were learned that we can't leave things up to VAR, that we have to bury our chances and we can't pay too much to respect to clubs that really are barely on our level at this point. I mean, if you look at for Chelsea, their starting 11 couldn't get it done. They had to bring on Chilwell and Havertz who were their two goal scorers. Nobody that was on the pitch prior to that, was really lethal. There wasn't really a time where I was like, holy shit, like they they almost had us. And what was Broja? Broja was the other one. Broja, however you say his name, was the other one. And all he did was foul Fabianski that was not whistled by Andrew Madley, which boggles the mind because he'll blow it from Mendy, but he won't blow, blow it when Broja literally charges right into the keeper and he lets the ball, he lets the play go on instead of blowing the whistle, making sure the keeper is, is okay. And then allowing us to to a free kick from there. So it was just it, it was horribly inconsistent. And of all the teams to have it happen against, it's, it was Chelsea. It's just you know, look, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but you cannot watch that game back and not sit there and question the fouls that are being called and the ones that aren't. Yeah. And look, I didn't want to dive into this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Might as well. There's a big six bias. It's very clear. Um, somebody posted on social media. We reposted it on the Fresno Irons accounts. VAR checking club badge, and it's it's frustrating. Um, a moment in the game that I still don't understand how it wasn't reviewed for malicious intent. 
is Reese James kicking Mikel Antonio clearly in the dead with the spikes. That should be an immediate red card. It doesn't matter how hard he kicked him. That's an immediate red. That is a foul with malicious intent. You are trying to hurt the player. And there is no room in the game for that. We have seen a guy accidentally against Chelsea kick a ball and accidentally go into a player and get a red card. Yep. Okay. And uh, Balbuena. Yep. When that happened to Balbuena and then the red card got rescinded. This was malicious intent. Look at his face. He looks at it. Mikel Antonio goes back. The fact that all he got out of that was a yellow card for dissent and not for the actual act that he proved. It's just frustrating. If I'm David Moyes, I'm accepting every fine you throw my way and I'm calling out the way refing is going in the Premier League. The Premier League is for the best. It's the best league in the world, right, Liam? I mean, we're touting it as such. Then we deserve the best refereeing in the world. Yeah. In FIFA, if you can't get it done, you corrupt fucking organization. <laughs> this has gotten to a point where in the in the Fresno Irons text message thread, somebody said something, and I wish um, I could remember who. I believe it was James. But... In America, we love an underdog. Yeah. We love an underdog. In England, it's said they love tradition. Well, if we're going to go that route, West Ham United are part of the tradition. Yeah. So there's no way that you can sit there and tell me, Liam, it shook me, man. Like, I just don't, I don't understand how you can like, honestly, how can you look at yourself in the mirror after you screw somebody like that? Let's one of the most famous screw jobs of all time. I'm bringing the WWE. Ooh, there you go. The Montreal screw job or whatever fucking was on Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. When Vince McMahon rang the bell and before the match was over, what did, Bre what did Bret the Hitman Hart do to Vince McMahon after that? He knocked his ass out. <laughs> That's what he did. To the boss, the boss of his company, David Moyes, knock Andrew Madley out. Yeah. That's that's the way that I feel. I know that that's not going to happen. But I wish somebody from West Ham United would walk into the head of referees and knock his punk ass out. Because what happened in that game is inexcusable. Yeah. It's inexcusable. Well, and, and let me... Indulge me for a second here. Let me read you some of the uh, the the news articles that I was able to pull that sort of back this up. So this is from Mark Halsey, a Premier League referee from 1999 till 2013. In quote, I've been in that situation when I have seen an incident and been told to say I haven't seen it. To be fair to the FA, it's not them. It comes from within the PGMOL, which is the Professional Game Match Officials Limited. It doesn't stop there. We've been told to give a certain amount of corners or throw-ins, fouls, bookings, etc., the Premier League is rife with spot fixing and bias towards certain clubs from the FA. Every referee in the Premier League could be in front of a court one day soon. More recently, concerning this Chelsea event, this very same Mark Halsey. It was a shocking decision to disallow West Ham a late equalizer at Stamford Bridge. It was even more shocking that VAR Jared Gillette recommended a review as referee Andy Madley was right there. Chelsea keeper Edward Mendy pushed the ball away and then his momentum takes him into Jared Bowen. The West Ham man is taking evasive action to avoid a collision. That is not a foul, and Gillette should never have gotten involved. Mendy knew exactly what he was doing, staying on the floor. And I will take this 
even further than that for those that are still shaking their heads going, no, it's not a bias. It's just West Ham being West Ham. This is from The Independent. In quotes, we don't want too many Leicester cities. These were the words spoken by a senior figure from the Premier League's Big Six clubs in the kind of high-end London hotel you can easily imagine. In quotes, football history suggests fans like big teams winning, the official continued, to the group of business people and media figures present. A certain amount of unpredictability is good, but a more democratic league would be bad for business. You're probably still shaking your head, well, that's only one person. This is from Scudamore. Manchester United's troubled defense of their Premier League title is harming the English top flight's worldwide brand, says the competition's chief executive, Richard Scudamore. Under new boss David Moyes, United are seventh in a disappointing campaign. So this was back when David Moyes was in charge of United. The 20th time, 20 time champions are 18 points adrift of leaders Chelsea. It's a double edged sword, said Scudamore. When your most popular club isn't doing well, that costs you interest and audience in some places. So fucking tell me that there is not a big six club bias. There absolutely is. It has been shown in from multiple different sources. So you cannot look me dead in the eye and say, oh, this was a call that the ref made because they felt this was the best call. No, it was the best call for Chelsea because they have a team that just spent 179 million pounds or some such shit more money than we spent, brought in less players than we did, and we're on a banana peel to start out the season. And they need that team to be in that top six. They don't like it when Arsenal finishes outside the realm. They don't like it when Manchester United is a... F Thank you. Yes, please. They don't like when Man United is a fucking train wreck of a club. So this is this is where... This is where, for me, it's, it's disheartening because... I, I will always follow West Ham overland and sea onto victory, right? That's, that's the, that's the chant. That's what we firmly believe in, but it's hard to go into these matches feeling like you're really going to get a fair shake. Like it, it gets to the point where we have to, we have to be beating Liverpool three, one, you know what I mean? And then they're still going to try to give them as much time as possible to get the equalizer. They fucking did that with us against Arsenal, gave them time. They do, they, they do this because they do not want teams like us, Wolves, Leicester, Aston Villa, even Brighton. They don't want them upsetting the apple cart. They don't want these teams that have the potential to break into that top six to be able to do it with any sense of consistency. It's just, it's so infuriating because you love the sport because it's supposed to be anybody can win any match at any time. And you love the moments when you go beat one of the big boys. You love that. But when you try to be one of the big boys, they love to tell you you're not tall enough to ride this ride when yep. you're clearly bigger than they are. And I'm just, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, I want somebody to whistleblow. I want somebody to blow up what this is. Um, because what happened on Saturday, look, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm West Ham till I die. And I think if you come to a Fresno Irons match and you watch me, you can, th that will prove my fandom. Yep. Um, but I will tell you right now, if this is how the league works, it takes enjoyment out of watching the matches. Yeah. Because anytime you score, you just go, well, how are they going to disallow this one? And when that thought creeps into your head, you're ruining it for everybody else. Part of me wants the Super League to come back, let all these fucks go, yeah. let them have the refereeing and move aside. And let's just invest in a league that's going to be uh, without corruption, 
with the ability that anybody that's in it has an opportunity to win. Cause I'm just sick and tired of this shit. Yeah. I really am. And with that, I think we have to ask this question. So here we go. Has VAR as the experiment run its course in the premier league? Liam, I'll let you start on this one. I mean, I kind of feel like it has. So I've gone back and forth on this. And for anybody that follows me on Twitter, first off, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> but the, the the big thing out of this is the technology is not broken because we have it in multiple leagues across the world. We have it in the World Cup. Like it has been utilized and it's been utilized well. But if the people running it are corrupt or incompetent, then the technology is only as useful as the people that are using it. There have been some pundits that have spoken up and said, well, it should only be used for offsides. Offsides is, is cut and dry. There's no gray area. I disagree. Look at Newcastle or uh, Aston Villa's goal that gets chalked off. If the ref wants to make it seem like it's offsides, they'll find a way to draw those lines to make it be offsides. It's, it's just, that's the reality of it is that if there is a narrative, if we are right in our conspiracy theories that we're spouting today, um, if, if there is corruption, they're going to find a way to do it regardless until you bring an outside, uh, independent organization in to, to research and investigate these individuals to make sure that they're not taking money in brown envelopes under the doors. There's, there's always going to be that degree of, indiscernibility. You're never going to be able to look at this and know for a fact that it's one way or the other. And you look at certain refs like Lee Mason has been suspended multiple times. He's been dropped from VAR even to like fourth official because they won't let him be the on-field ref. They won't let him be in the, in the booth, but yet he still gets games. Andrew Madley still pulled for this weekend. Jared Gillette is still pulled for this coming weekend. Like they're still going to ref. There's no accountability. There's no ramifications for when these guys get it wrong. And that's where I, I think that's where I have the biggest issue. Cause like you can take the red card and get it rescinded from Balbuena, right? A couple seasons ago, you, you know, you can come out and apologize and say like, Oh, we got that call wrong. But it doesn't change the fact that we had to play that match with only 10 men when Balbuena got ejected. It doesn't change the fact that now that that goal should have stood, we still don't get the points for it. So it's got to be, there's got to be a couple of things that need to change that if they investigate and say, we did do it wrong, you need to change the standings, especially if it's a goal that scored in the 90th minute. And then at that point, Chances were that's the way that it was going to finish out. Yeah, there's always the potential that something could have changed, but I guarantee you at 90 minutes, both teams are probably like, hey, let's sit back and not concede anything else. So I think that there, there's there's a distinctive separation between what is happening and what needs to happen to make VAR be a viable option. And if you cannot do that, it hasn't added anything positive to the game. So we need to me, I would rather that we go back to being able to celebrate goals, even if there's the potential that somebody's offside, or even if there's a potential foul on the keeper, because that's the reality of the game. There's the human error. There's people are going to make mistakes, but let the mistakes be made on the pitch, not in a TV booth fucking with seven screens with four people looking at them and nobody can pull their head out of their ass long enough to make a, a, a valid decision. So I, I think for me, I think it's it's run its course, but the the bigger 
issue is the referees themselves. VAR, I have I take umbrage with, but my my main complaint is with the 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 caliber of referees that we have. What about you, man? Where's your head at? I, we're we're on the same we're on the same trajectory. I, I don't think VR has run its course though. I think it is a beautiful tool that absolutely can get things right. And I think when it originally came in, we thought it this is the end of the big six bias. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what we initially thought. Um the problem is when you're corrupt, you're going to find a way to always be have corruption. And, you know, it, it's kind of like I used to have a, an aunt that always said this to me. If you're looking for a problem, you're going to find a problem. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. And in the NFL, which is the dominant sports league in the United States, when they go to instant replay, it goes all to the same place in New York City. And it's watched by a guy that, you know, our team of people and they make a determination, but they are technically an unbiased group that is, a, if for lack of a better term, they're a third party. Right. The NFL referees operate as an independent organization here. Now, you can argue that there's corruption inside that, but you can argue that, you know, you can argue anything gives you cancer. So, you know, <laughs> therefore, I understand that part. But here is where I stand. You have referees from a corrupt organization of FIFA that is rooted in corruption. We're having to watch the World Cup this year in December, which I think is a horrible time to do it personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it may work out and it may be great and we all may be excited about it. Um, but that's all because of corruption of Sepp Blatter and other named uh, other people that have since been removed um, and have been found out to have taken bribes, done this, they've touched things inappropriately. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just, they're horrible people. And this is the organization relying on for refs. If you're the premier league, here's how you solve the problem. If you want to, Yeah. which I'm not sold. The premier league is not corrupt either. Yeah. But you hit them where it hurts. You hit them in their wallet. Yeah. You make a call that gets reviewed by a team, you don't get paid for the match. Yeah. Period. And therefore, that happens a few times, it's over. It's kind of like when Major League Baseball in the United States said, we catch you with steroids, 50-game suspension. Yeah. Nobody gets really caught anymore. And when they do, it's a big deal. But I think there's only been four or five steroid busts in the past four, you know, six, seven years. Yeah. Which, yeah, people are still going to try. People are still going to do it. But... You want to remove that from the game, you don't get paid for the match, period. See, the I think the only problem with that is you do still need to bring in a third-party independent review board. It can't be like PMGOL that, that reviews it because then that's still their own company, right? It's still like their own group reviewing themselves. And if you start handing out fines, they're going to go, well, we can't fine our guys every match. Otherwise, they'll never get paid. And nobody will nobody will want to be a ref in the Premier League because they're not going to want to not be paid for work. So I feel like it, it, there does need to be some sort of accountability, some sort of fine, whether it's you don't get paid for the match or it's like a you know a couple grand or whatever, whatever it is that that needs to happen. So that way they are a hundred percent sure when they make these decisions that it is the right decision, okay. not just the the right for one club. Your pet doesn't get to eat that night. Yeah, right. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, look, like, that's the only way that people listen is when you hit them in their wallet. Yeah. When you hit them in their wallet, like I, I get it. it. It 
but somebody's going to have to do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to step up and make that type of determination in order for it to change. And I know it's easy to sit there and pass it off and go, well, can't do that. can't do that. But that that's where it's a hundred percent wrong. You have to make extreme consequences to get extreme results. Yeah, that's true. And that's just the reality of what we have to do because what happened to West Ham United in that game, and they're not the only ones Newcastle as well. Yeah. Our opponents on Sunday went through the same thing. I, I just cannot and will not accept this. These are elite athletes playing at the top of their game. The badge on their shirt is irrelevant. It's all about recruitment. The clubs have to go and recruit the right players. Our club recruited the right players to earn a draw on on Saturday against Chelsea, and we were robbed of it. And that Newcastle Crystal Palace one that that is bizarre, man. Like you can plainly see him get shoved into the keeper, and then the ball bounces off their own player into the net. So it's almost like. Well, there was a foul on the player because obviously he shoved in the box to make sure that he can't get his head on the ball. And then their own player knocks it in. So, yeah, it's an own goal. Move forward. Like, I don't see where the controversy is for that that particular goal. Even more so, I think, than the foul on, on, on Bowen. Because for me, it'd be different if they had whistled Broya running into Fabianski. Literally within the 10 minute span before that happens. So when you look at that and you go, okay, well, if the keeper is a protected person and a striker runs into the keeper, if it's just a collision of bodies and you're going to play on, then our goal stands. But if it's a collision of bodies and you're protecting the keeper, then you blow the whistle and the ball is the keeper's ball in a free kick from that position where he was fouled. But there's not the consistency. And you can't tell me, oh, but a goal was scored. That doesn't fucking matter. It wasn't that the fact there was a goal was scored. It was a fact that they said it was a foul on the keeper. And you cannot, if there isn't the consistency in the same fucking match, then what are we doing? And that that's my point. So how do you solve that? You have to have an extreme measure yeah. to solve that because what well, what are you going to tell Andrew Madley? Hey, you're not going to, you're not going to ref for, you know, you're on suspension yeah. for a couple of weeks. You're going to go ref in the championship. That's not the problem. The problem is his refing decisions, his inability to stick with his call that he made on the field. So he should be, maybe he gets suspended, but the VAR ref loses pay. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, but if you want to make this happen, you have to hit them in the wallet. Yeah. You have to, because what's going to happen at that point is when corruption tries to come in, the referee is going to have to make a decision. Am I going to make money or am I going to do the right thing? Yeah. And uh, you are correct. A third party review board needs to be in there. And that probably needs to be something created by refs that are retired or sensed that see issues, yeah. whatever it is. It would be former players. You get former players because by and large, I mean, other than fucking, what's his name? Grant, Grant. Sunis was the only one that was like, oh, I think it is a foul. And shut the fuck up. You dipshit. Look at his face. Oh I mean, my God. Like, he's so fucking punchable. But yeah. then, but then like even Shaka Islop came out and said like, oh, that is a foul. And I'm like, bro, like I get it. You're a keeper and you were actually one of my favorite keepers like back in the day, but I'll fucking rescind that shit because how are you going to come out against one of your former teams saying that that's a foul? Like it's not, especially with the still images that were coming out that were showing like as Bowen's jumping they're like, oh, look at his spikes. The spikes are going right at Mendy's side. And I'm like, but Mendy doesn't grab his side. Mendy grabs his shoulder. 
So those spikes, the, with the timing of that photograph is that Bowen's foot is rising up. And that's what clears Mendy. Because if his foot hit Mendy, you would have seen him stutter and fall because the, the shirt would have caught in the cleats. So that's why the only thing that hits Mendy is the trailing foot and it hits him in like the bicep and he's holding his shoulder like he got shot. So it's just, I'm with you. I think there does need to be a fine, but consider this too. If the, if there is corruption and the top six teams are paying off refs and you say, Hey, it's a $5,000 fine. If they're getting paid 20 G's, they don't give a fuck about five grand. They still walked away with 15. You know what I mean? So I think the investigation has to be not just when uh, when these errors occur, but like what is the facilitating reason behind this? If there is corruption, we got to root it out. Well, I mean, look, FIFA has been pretty much cleaned out, we hope, of those people. So we're hoping to see a different FIFA. But I look, I don't see any way this changes. We're going to continually deal with this unless – you are penalizing people in some way that is meaningful. And I, to me, look, we can't do corporal punishment, right? So we can't, we can't We're hit not somebody. Ma- what was it? Was it Mississippi, Mississippi yeah. or Missouri that brought back <laughs> yeah. corporal punishment? It's so weird. But you, you, and you can't, like, we can't do anything to their families. No. All right. <laughs> so all kids. the things that we joke about, like if we're going to live in the reality of what's possible, it has to hit them financially. Yeah. When you start taking money off the table, that's where things are going to change because these referees aren't going to want to change their quality of life to make a bad call. Right. They're not going to want to do that. Yeah. And if clubs are paying them off, that's automatic relegation. Yeah. So yeah. maybe this year, if, if we investigate it and you get found to do that, those are the most violent penalties you can bestow upon somebody and what would even go a step further is not only you get relegated, you get relegated to the lowest tier of English soccer. Yeah. So if you're Arsenal, do you want to risk that? Going to if the you're National Man, League. Yeah. If yeah. you're Man City, do you want to risk that? Now you're paying, playing Wrexham AFC. Yeah. <laughs> and so but that, that's my point. Now, granted, you'll be back, but you ain't going to be back for five years. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're going to have to earn your way through the whole time. You might win an FA Cup here and there. Um, but, I mean, it's sad to even have to consider that because you want to believe in the integrity of the league. Yeah. I mean, you have a goddamn lion with a crown on it that screams integrity and truth. And yet you're more like a snake in the grass. And so, you know, there's another t-shirt, the new premier league logo with a snake in the grass with, you know, instead of a crown, a sickle. Right. You know, I just, and it's just, it's a word bubble that says, where's my money. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, it's frustrating because you want to believe that your team has a chance yeah. and that, you know, what's, you know, what's more financially viable than, um, consistency hope. Yeah. And still hope in things and watch people invest because if I believe my team's going to win, I'm going to buy more merch. I'm going to watch more games. Yeah. I'm going to be more invested. I'm going to watch talk sport. I'm going to watch sky sports. I might buy the products that you, that you think I'm going to, I'm going to be more. Um, I'm going to add here more to the things that you are promoting because I'm watching more. Yeah. That is the most dangerous thing in the world is hope. 
So why would you not want to give that? You need more Leicester City stories. You need more opportunities for West Ham to knock off Stan- to knock off Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on a Saturday early in the season when the reality is it may not matter by the end of the season, that result. But I think for West Ham's case, it probably will. It'll be a very... If we miss any Europa League or Europa Conference League by two or three points, we're going to look back to some of these results. Yeah. And we're going to say we were robbed of a point of a point there. Um, and it's just, it's so infuriating that we even have to have this discussion. But the thing is, it's not, I, I this is what I'm going to say. It is not the tool of VAR. That is the problem. It is the people that's running it. So in short, don't blame, you know, don't blame the arrows, blame the Indian. Right. Well, and like if you look at the standings right now, right? So where week six was just completed. Uh, if you go to the top seven places, your top six are in seven of those places. It's just Brighton ruining everybody's game sitting in fourth place. And rumors are now that uh, uh, Thomas Tuchel uh, was let go of Chelsea because he agreed that uh, VAR got it right. So in response Chelsea was like well you're obviously a fucking idiot so they fired his ass but they're they're apparently putting they're paying out the rest of Graham Potter's contract so he's leaving Brighton to go manage Chelsea so Brighton's gonna drop like a fucking you know prom dress in June so now you've got exactly what you wanted you'll have Arsenal Man City Tottenham Man United Chelsea and Liverpool in your top six which ultimately is what you wanted and you're probably going to be able to do that by week seven and then you just have to maintain it till the end of the season. Let those guys battle out for those top six spaces. And the rest of us are going to get fucked the rest of the season. You know, th- this is such a, it's such a phenomenal topic for you and I, Liam, because I think um, you bring up some great points. I bring up some points that don't make any sense and you provide clarity for them. That's what I'm here um, for. <laughs> you know, obviously we'd love to hear what you think on the show. You can um, hit us up on Twitter at, at A-H-R-W-H-U. That's American Hammers Radio. We are the Bearded Bastards. Feel free to, you know, chime in, give us your thoughts. We'd love to know what you think um, because this discussion has so many different angles and obviously Liam and I can only cover so many, um, but it's it's just an infuriating thing for me. And I, I just don't see, do, do you see any way around not providing a realistic consequence for these people in order to clean it up. Cause I, I don't, I I'll tell you why there isn't. And this is my conspiracy. I'm adding more whiskey to the, to the fire for this one. Right. This was the premier league's promise to the top six to keep them from doing the super league because they realized the money that, you know, you know, they realized the money that they would be missing out on having these teams leave and form their own little super league. So they, I guarantee you, they promised we'll do whatever we can to make sure you guys hit the top six spots. Right? Because think about it. What happened last season? God, I hope you're wrong. We barely, barely, yes, please. We barely missed out on hitting sixth place. Right? So when you really think about that, what, how many, how many bogus calls could have gone our way that would have enabled us to, ooh, wow, we killed another bottle. What the fuck? Man. What happens when you talk about VAR? Th- well, this is, what ha- this is what happens when we have a shit start to the season. This is, this is brand new ground. We've never, had to, we've never had to walk this path before. But I think but that's, to me, like I said, conspiracy theories, take it with a grain of salt. But it's, 
very odd that after Leicester City wins the league within the next couple of years, because that was what, 2016, 2015, 2016 season was when they won the league. VAR was introduced in 2018. So you've had two years after that happened to try to get the technology and get it introduced and starting to work. We're four, four years, four seasons in to utilizing this technology. And we're no better off than we were before it arised. But at least before, there was still hope, like you said before. There was still the chance that a team outside of those, you know, protected six could still hit, you know, European placement. They could hit a fucking league win trophy. Like, I mean, that's what's attractive about the sport of football across the across the globe, especially in the Premier League. So for, for me, man, I, I think the cards are stacked against us. I mean, it's the, the house wins every time. So I'm thankful that we ended up sixth place and then seventh place in back-to-back seasons. We still got European placement. I mean, there's the potential we could still crack into the, that top group. But I mean, at this point, if we're top half of the table, I'm happy. It's, it's better than the alternative, which is relegation. <laughs> Thank God we're not in that conversation. Well, we might be, though, if the year keeps going this way. Wow. Speaking of that, with West Ham's poor start to the season, which has been the exact opposite as the way West Ham started last year, I believe we were third last year at this time. Yes, um, we were. You know, West Ham have some real questions here. The substitutions David Moyes has been making has dropped the question is, are we starting the best 11 for West Ham United. So I'm going to pose this question to you as we move out of the VAR. Let's try <laughs> Let's try to get a little more positive here and talk about um, West Ham because they are improving. Even though it's a loss against Chelsea, we have seen what West Ham can be. I really liked what I saw from Paqueta in that game. Um, but a couple players came on that really changed things, and that is Benarama and Cornet. So I'm going to ask this question right now, and this this could get interesting for some of our listeners, and we might have some interesting takes, maybe some takes you don't agree with. But is West Ham United starting the best 11 players right now, Liam? No, I don't think so. And I think part of it is due to injury. Part of it is due to uh, David Moyes having this uh, routine. Loyalty, maybe? Yeah, maybe loyalty to to his players, right? Um, And he always talks about, Oh, well, they're they're They still have to get used to the Premier League. Like they're still trying to show that they're ready for the Premier League. And I, I, I get it. That doesn't happen for every player, right? Jesse Lingard came right in when he was bought or when he got brought in on loan. He went right into the starting 11. Uh, Kira, same thing. I mean, he's been consistent and I will be honest. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. Like he's vocal. He's giving people direction like veterans that have been here for years. He's he's pointing them in the right direction. Uh, you can see how much it means to him, like on the first goal, because he he was bombing into the box. Two Chelsea players get tra- tangled up with him. The three of them dump into the net. And as soon as Antonio hits it in, you see him trying to jump up with two Chelsea guys draped all over him. He's trying to jump up off the grass, like ready to celebrate. So I think that you see flashes of who's going to be kind of the go-to players. Uh, Zuma, I feel, is back to where he needs to be. I think he struggled those first couple of matches and I think it might, maybe he was carrying a knock or some sort of injury. Um, I'm still kind of loyal to Fabianski. Uh, I don't think he's done enough to lose his spot. And I also don't think Ariel has done enough with the matches that he has had to really showcase why he needs to displace Fabianski. 
And we're not there in training. So we don't see what happens in training that maybe Moise is seeing something we don't. Uh, I will say, I think um, Fab's distribution is categorically better than Areola's. So for us to be a team that plays on the counter, you have to have a keeper that has positive distribution. They have to be able to get the ball to the right person to get the ball up the pitch quickly. Um, for me, I mean, I think Sioux Falls has been doing better. He's a little bit more of a warrior on that right-hand side. Johnson does really well, um, kind of more in the attacking quotient as opposed to the defensive quotient. Although Sioux Falls did have really good distribution in that first season that he came in. I mean, him and Kress were like tied for the most assists in the league that year. Uh, I do like uh, Emerson over Cresswell. I love Cresswell. I think his free kick um, uh, acumen is is unparalleled, but he's become a bit of a defensive liability. The two red cards in Europa League last season kind of showed me that he needed to start being second fiddle to somebody else that was a little bit faster paced uh, on that left-hand side. And I think Emerson has shown that he has the ability to, to dominate. Uh, obviously, Rice is... A mainstay. You can't replace Declan Rice. Uh, Suchek has done a hell of a lot better these last two matches against Spurs and then obviously against Chelsea. I think he's done enough to earn back his spot. Uh, but that start, that that front, right? That front. So you're going right where I'm going. I'm going right. So this. So you, do you have before we go? Do you have any disagreement with the defensive side of our of our lineup? I think Moyes needs to shake it up. I still go Cresswell over Emerson. The reason why is I think Cresswell sends in one of the best crosses in all of the prim. Um, and I don't think Emerson does. And is Emerson the better defender? Probably. But with our attacking force that we have in the, and I know we're moving into the back three. I know we're not there yet. Um, we're still waiting on a Garrett to get back in order to be that, that player. Well, I think that it's, it's going to be interesting as this team is when a Garrett does return. Um, but I, I really, I go Cresswell. I agree with everything else you're saying. I would still choose Sioux Fall, even with a healthy Ben Johnson. Yeah. I would yeah. still go Sioux Fall there. Um, the double pivot stays the same. I, th- I think Declan Rice and Suchek are the most two improved players over the course of the season. Yeah. Um, I called out Declan earlier in, in our podcast, uh, but the last two matches against Ta- the second half against Tottenham and then the whole game against Chelsea, I thought he was devastating. Agreed. I really did. Um, so, and Suchek is starting to do what I think Suchek does well, kind of this long gangly guy that gets in there and he can get his foot around anything at any point. So you just have to be ready. The Spurs um, goal was a thing of fucking beauty. And we hadn't seen that since his first season. So if he keeps doing shit like that, start him. But the attacking force is where I would make some serious changes. So, all right, I'll let you start, actually, because I started with the whole defensive side. Where are you going with, it's a front three, right? Like that's, that's. I'm going to, I'm going to say, so right now we've gone a four, two for me. So we've we've done a back four and we've got our double pivot. And then you're putting then four, got four at the top. guys up front that I would play a diamond and this is how I would do it. Okay, because I'm thinking because you were talking back three. So I'm thinking, okay, if you're going five in I, the back, we're going three at the top. But let's keep it with what we said. We'll keep it yeah. a back four because I don't, like you said, Garrett isn't here yet or not back from injury yet. So we're doing four, two, and then three, one. And I and I'm and I'm shaking it up. And okay. the reason I'm shaking it up is there's a little bit of loyalty out of Moyes, and I get it. Um the first player that is dropping is going to be Pablo Fornells. Um, reason why is not, I give him more stick than anything, but 
He's the player I hate to love. And that that's just the way that I put it. But I'm, I'm, I'm making a shirt for you that says fucking for nows. <laughs> <laughs> With this big ass smile. Yeah. Uh, I, I dropped for nows and I'm, I'm probably bringing in Benarama. Okay. Um, Benarama has been, in my opinion, the best player on our team all season long. And the fact that he is not one of the first names on the team sheet is a disservice. And I, I think Moyes is wrong for not playing Benarama every minute he can because Benarama's done absolutely nothing to show us that he's not going to be one of the biggest um, threats that we have. Um, the next player that I drop, because I would play Benarama in behind the striker, it's not that I would drop him, I'd push him out left, and that's Antonio, and I would start Skamaka. But this is the one that I'm going to get flack for. I'm dropping Jared Bowen. Okay. Uh, I think it's just not clicking for Bowen right now. Um, he showed more flashes in the Chelsea game than he has, but it still wasn't enough. He still missed some things that I just don't think he can miss. He's missed some shots that I just am puzzled. He hasn't swung his foot at the ball a couple times when he should have. He's he's not feeling it right now, and I think you need to light his fire, and I'm starting Cornet. Okay. To me, Cornet came in, only got 10 minutes in the game against Chelsea, hit the post and scored a goal. Yeah. Now the goal was disallowed and I understand that, but that's what Cornet did in 10 minutes. Yeah. That player needs to be on the pitch. Yeah. And he has, he's already shown that himself, Skamaka and Benarama already have this natural chemistry together. And then I like having Antonio out there um, because I think Antonio is truly just, he's a brute. Yeah, he can get on the ball and draw defenders in, and you give Skamaka space. He just needs one yard of space, and he can get a shot off. Yeah, and I think that just helps helps everything out. But yeah, I'm dropping, I'm dropping Fornells. I'm also dropping Bowen, and I know people aren't happy to hear me say that. And I'm starting Ben Harama, and I'm starting Cornet against Newcastle. So it's interesting for for me, and one that name that you missed. It might just be because he's so new, Paqueta. So I'm actually probably keeping Paqueta behind the God striker, dang. right? So that I was, was still horrible. No, I, I was interested not, yeah. to see where you would go with it because I do like that front that front four. I think that that actually that works out really well. To me, that's going to look more like a four four two because you're still going to keep your back four. You're going to have your double pivot. You're going to have. Um, I would probably bring Ben Rama maybe a little bit left, Cornet a little bit right. And then you've got Antonio and Skamaka both playing as like a, 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 a double striker, right? Like you've got two options going in on goal, which would be really scary because you've got a really tall dude and a really physically strong dude. I, I, uh, I'm already wrong. Paqueta. I, Antonio, let me just change it. I'm not going to go on a rant, but <laughs> Antonio's dropped. Ben Rama's out left. Paqueta's in behind the striker. He's two new guys. I forgot. And I've, and I've freaking defended him on premier league fan zone. And I, I still, uh, I'm an idiot. It's because I, we I had totally way agree. too much whiskey. Tonight. You're right. You're right. But no, Paqueta, 100%. <laughs> Paqueta, 100% is the starting lineup. I drop Antonio. I drop Fornells. I drop Bowen. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I do like it. And I think that it would work, especially against a team like Newcastle. Um, I do think you kind of need Antonio to be that bully against that back line. I think that that's what, helps keep them pinned back a little bit more. Uh, and you do need people like Ben Rama and um, Paqueta to kind of unlock that defense. I do wonder though, if say you did do, 
say you drop Ben Rahman, you put Paqueta in the in the center, right? And say you do keep Antonio out on the left, Skamaka in the center, and you put Cornet on the right. You have three guys that basically operate like attackers, like all three, not attackers, strikers. All three of them can be utilized as a lone striker up top. Is it almost an embarrassment to have all three of them on? But say you aren't able to get production out of them. Who do you bring on for them to be able to get that production after the fact when everybody else is already tired? Bowen's not firing on on all cylinders yet. So bringing him on might not be the attack that we that we or the the impact that we need off the bench. So for me, I'm with you. I think Ben Rama for sure, Paqueta for sure. I do like the idea of Cornet. Um I'm probably starting Antonio because I'm thinking Skamaka's probably still working through the illness that he had. So I don't think he's ready to start a match. And I think Antonio can bully and tire out the center backs. So by the time Skamaka comes in, he's going to get more service in the box because the center backs are already going to be drained from having to battle with Antonio for so long. And then at that point, if you've got Ben Rama on that side, on the, that left-hand side, he's able to dump balls in. You've got Cornet who's coming in from that side. And then if you need to switch things up later on, you've got Fornals who you know is a workhorse that'll run his ass up and down on that side. And you've got Bowen that can come in for Cornet and he's going to come in with something to prove at that point. So if you are bringing that on and you're replacing that front three, essentially, and you're going from Ben Rama, uh, Antonio and Cornet to Fornals, Skamaka and Bowen, that's still fucking brilliant. I'm still totally okay yeah, with, and with that. five subs. Why not? Yeah, why not? And then even at that point, if Paqueta's not doing what you need to be done, you can either put Fornals in that central low, uh, central location or you bring in Lanzini. We still have Lanzini that can come in. That's not even really making... They're not even subbing him in at this point because we have so many other players that are high-impact players. Cresswell apparently still isn't uh, in training, so Cresswell's not an option on this one. Um, and neither is Ben Johnson. So neither one of those ones can come in. But... You still, I'm still, st- like we said, probably starting Zuma and Kara, and you still have Agbana that can come in for either one of them if you need to shore up the back line. Either way, I think we're still good. Hey, it's interesting, but you know, I think, I think noted, do you drop Bowen? I mean, I, I do because I do think at this point you need to kind of send a message to him that, like, hey, man, you're just not doing enough to retain your starting position and i would have maybe he's trying to do too much well yeah at that point where there is but then that's the double-edged sword right do you drop him and that destroys his confidence or do you trust him and say look you're gonna get you're gonna come good you did last season you were hands down other than Declan rice you were the best player that we had last season so it's just a matter of time before he gets back that confidence so do you leave him on and then if by halftime maybe if he's not firing, then you pull him and you put Cornet on and give Cornet a good solid 45 minutes to do what he needs to do. Cornet, I, Cornet's deserved more than 10 minutes in this next Premier League 100%. Game. Um, I think if Bowen's not firing, I think Cornet is going to come on at probably this time in the 65th, 70th minute. Yeah. He's going to get a little more time to work. But you need to put, uh, the re- and the reason Benrama and Antonio need to be on the pitch at the same time for as long as possible is they destroyed Newcastle last season. And Newcastle has not made enough changes, in my opinion, to counteract the 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 dynamic that those two had. And they're both coming into that vibe right now. I mean, look at the goal that they scored in the first match against Vibor. Like that was that was uh uh vintage 
Ben Rama Antonio link up play. And I, I just see that being completely Newcastle's undoing. Well, speaking of that, before we get to that Newcastle match, we are starting this week tomorrow. We record on Wednesday. The match is tomorrow. So if you're listening on a Thursday, the match has already taken place. So you can check and let us know how wrong we were. <laughs> um, obviously, West Ham United, it's match preview time. They're taking on FCSB, which is one of the teams in the Romanian League. And I mean, let me tell you, my prowess to know what's going on in that league is second to everyone. So, uh Looking at this match, um, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Um, this is a group stage match. Um, Europa Conference League, there's a ticket to back into the Europa League if we win it. So what is your prediction for this match? Um, and just kind of highlight you know, a few things you might want to see. I mean, for this one, I would say if you are going to pull some of the guys that haven't been firing on all cylinders, this is a perfect opportunity to let somebody like Bowen really let loose and help gain his confidence back. So I think... At this point, I'm almost running one team for 45 minutes and I'm running almost an entirely different team for the other 45. I'm using all five subs at halftime because this is not a team that I feel like we're going to have any difficulty with. Uh, I see this being like a four nil, like something com- like completely ridiculous. Uh, maybe we do play it safe and it ends up being like a comfortable two nil, like what when we played uh Dynamo Zagreb last year, which haha, Chelsea one nil to a loss for those little fucktards. <laughs> uh, I do. So I do feel like this is going to be a very comfortable, high possession win uh, for us. And there's reports that if the manager for the, for FCFB loses this match, he's going to get the sack. And I'm like, dude, that's rough because nobody's going up against West Ham at that level being like, Oh yeah, we, we've got a good chance in this game. Like, no, you're going in knowing you're getting your fucking asses handed to you. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll eat some crow on the next episode, but I feel like this is going to be a comfortable win. What about for you? I I agree. I West Ham this year just haven't made things easy. I think it's going to be a hard fought two nil win. I think they're going to have their chances. um, Just like it's always been for West Ham United. Um, I hope to see some younger faces get out there. Like I love to see Harrison Ashby, which is now staying with the club along with Greg Dawson, which we did not mention Ooh. earlier. Uh, so big Dawes is, is remaining a hammer. Um, I'd like to see some younger guys, maybe Connor Coventry get a start. Uh, obviously we know we're going to get Ariola in goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to see Bowen work some stuff out. Um, I'd like to see some guys, you know, figure some stuff out. But whoever he plays in this game, I want him to have the idea in his head. And as sad as this is to say, the Premier League has to start taking priority over everything. Yeah. And no offense to the Europa Conference League, but yes, there's a ticket into Europa. And I understand that. But I would much rather him go, the Newcastle game is what matter. So play the guys that we have. We have more depth than we've ever had. Yeah. There's more depth on this team than we had even when Slavin Bilic's first year, which we had a deep squad. They had 22 players then. I think we've got 23 or 24 on the roster I right now. 23, yeah. Um, so this is one of the deeper squads he's ever had. He's got clear advantages here to limit minutes for guys or just rest guys altogether. Um, but I see a 2-0 victory. With that said, we're going to move into the prediction of the game that really matters, yeah. and that's in the Premier League on Sunday, 6 a.m. West Coast time, 9 a.m., you lucky fucking bastards out there on the East Coast. Um, West Ham United take on Newcastle. Um, are, are we home or away on this one? Uh, this is a home match. Yeah, we're yes, coming we're back home. to the London Stadium. We get Newcastle at home. Um 
We're going to call this the Big Six Bias Derby. <laughs> it's the Big Six Bias Derby this weekend. Obviously, both these teams were screwed in the prior weekend by refereeing. We've just gotten news that not only will Andrew Madley be refereeing this game, also, they're going to have Seth Blatter on VAR, <laughs> formerly FIFA president, and uh, the fourth referee will be Mike Dean. So nice. We're all fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, that's all a joke. That's not what's really happening. So uh, let's go ahead and go through our starting 11 for this match. Who would you like to see? Obviously, we hinted at it already. Yeah, I think I, I pretty much keep it uh, exactly that same way. I think Fabs and goal, uh, Emerson, Zuma, Kara, and Sufal, uh, Declan and Suchek in the double pivot. And then I really like that idea of doing like Benrama, Paqueta, Cornet, and then Antonio up top. Bring Skamaka on uh, probably as your first sub because so that way you can kind of limit the minutes for Antonio. But I, I expect... And, um, Skamaka to probably feature in the game tomorrow to try to get him back uh, back up to fitness. But yeah, I see this. I see this being a, f- a, a probably a very open back and forth kind of cagey match. I feel like most of the time it is that way with Newcastle. They probably have a, the better of the chances early, and then they sort of fade as the the game goes. And I feel like we've kind of grown into our matches uh, later on. I see this probably finishing out like a two one. Maybe a three one if we're lucky. So I, I have the starting eleven. A few differences. I'm going to go Cresswell over Emerson if he's fit. Yeah, if he's fit. Um, Emerson obviously starts not, but I, I think Cresswell will be ready to go that match. Um, up top, I'm going to start Skamaka. I think he's going to get it. I think Moyes knows he has to shake things up, and I think we're going to see it in this match. I see Benarama out left, Paqueta in behind, and I do think he's going to start Cornet over Bowen. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just think that he's got to see that now he's got to give, I mean, in 10 minutes, the guy hit the post and scored a goal mm, yeah. needs to kind of be on the pitch there. Um, I'll be honest though. I feel like if he's going to put him on, he's going to put him on over Ben Rama. Cause he likes Bowen more than he likes Benny. That's yeah, just the reality. You're probably right. And I don't understand why, what, what Ben Rama's done this season. Yeah. Um, I see it as a three, one finish in our favor. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is because I think we're about to go scorched earth on the premier league. I think we are going to hit the ground running and start going. Obviously I have to give Callum Wilson, his customary goal Fuck um, when he plays us. Um, but with that said, who's your goal scorers for West Ham United? Uh, I'm going to say it's probably going to be Cornet, Antonio, Benny. I don't think Skamaka gets on the score sheet this time, uh, but Antonio is going to be a man on fire. He's going to get that shit done. Cornet is going to want recompense for the goal that got chalked off. And I feel like Benny is trying to make a statement to Moyes that like, look, I'm not a bench warmer. Like I'm a starter and I need to be a starter. How about you? I think Benny gets a, a goal. Um, I think he scores. Uh, I think he gets the opener. Yeah. Then I have a brace for Paqueta. Ooh. I think Lucas Paqueta is about to show us something in this game because I think he was damn close against Chelsea. He seemed a little timid at times, but I think he settled in. I think he's going to become the Brazilian, if nice. you will, that we, you know, we all know and love, and he's going to go out there and he's going to express himself. And I see him getting a couple of goals. I really do. And I think that the team is going to start to rally around what this player can do. He could be a Dimitri Pyatt-esque type player for us. I think he's better than Pyatt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens on that. Um, those are my goal scorers. Uh, who's your man of the match? 
Uh, I think with this one, uh, Declan Rice absolutely destroys John Joe Shelby. And I think that he just dominates the midfield for us. And I think a lot of those goals are going to come from distribution from Declan. What about you? Uh, the man with the brace is going to have to be Lucas ah, Paqueta. Yeah. Uh, Paqueta is going to get his first shout as man of the match. Well, that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. It is time for our yellow and red cards. Um, I'll go first on the yellow card today. Go for it. If you follow the Fresno Irons on any social media outlet with the exception of Instagram, because we couldn't get the video to load, um, you may have seen myself join the Premier League Fan Zone, a show that tapes in London that we watch over here on Peacock in the United States of America. Um, and they brought me on. The producer hits me up. He brings me on to talk about Leroy's team of the week, <laughs> which he had Lucas Paqueta in and then magically changed when I came on. I um, said, are you sure you want to bring me on to talk about that? And not the controversial calls. He goes, no, no, I don't want to bring you on about that. But I got a little hint that he knew what I was about to do. Yeah. So I texted the Fresno irons thread and say, you may want to watch what I'm about to do. You sure did. And we get on there. They come to the West Ham fan text of the Fresno Irons. Say, what do you think of Leroy's team of the week? And I said, you know, he did a solid job. You get six for showing up, seven for putting in the effort. So I'll give you a seven, Leroy. And I said, uh, I'm a little disappointed you took Lucas Paquette off. Um, and Leroy agreed. But then I went Fresno Irons style. Yeah. Because we don't hold back. And I said, there are two glaring mistakes, sir. One, Reese James, who is Im immune to getting any type of punishment, should have been on the pitch because he can foul players and not get red cards intentionally. And then how can you want to put Jordan Pickford in goal or Nick Pope in goal when you could put Andrew Madley, <laughs> the man that even if the goal is scored, he can go to his little box and roll it out. So my yellow card goes to Premier League Fan Zone, for bringing on a West Ham United fan after the biggest screw job I've seen since I've been a West Ham United fan. So uh, yellow card to you, Premier League fan zone. Liam, who's your yellow card to? So mine's going out to the Chelsea fans. And this is uh, this is very pointed because I feel like this could, by extension, go out to a lot of different fans, potentially ourselves included. But... After that goal was chalked off, I went on Twitter, as one does, and a whole shit ton of Chelsea fans are sitting there talking about, oh, it was a foul, it was a foul. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you know it's not a foul. And if it had happened to you, you'd be livid that the goal had been chalked off. So you, you gain nothing by just agreeing the fact that it's not a fucking foul. Like, they're not going to go back and retroactively take away the points from you. Nothing is going to happen. You've already won the game. You've already got the points. Everything is already said and done. Nothing will fucking change. So just be honest. Just come out and say, hey, man, that was super fucked up. That's not a foul. That's never a foul. But I had multiple people that were like, oh, it is a foul. Oh, and also what about this foul that Antonio did or this foul? That Fuck you. All you're proving is my point that the refereeing is absolutely atrocious in the fucking Premier League. So if you're saying that this foul wasn't caught and that foul wasn't caught and this, you're just fucking proving my point. So why can't you just look at that and go, yeah, that shit wasn't a foul. That goal should have stood. It sucks you guys didn't share the points with us, but we're lucky that we got the benefit of this one. 
especially coming off of that fucking t- Spurs game where Cucurello's hair got pulled and they score off a corner kick. Like you just got hard done by fucking VAR and then you're going to sit back and defend it. Fucking uh, Chukul, I'm glad you got your ass shit canned because you're sitting there bitching one week when it doesn't favor you, but then you're fucking pl- praising it the next week when it does. Fuck you. Fuck you all the way back to Germany, you fucking scarecrow piece of shit. <laughs> that is one harsh yellow card. It happens. God dang. All Just right. wait till my red. Oh, shit. All right. So uh, my red card is going to go out to... Benjamin fucking Mindy. Yeah, I ain't going to say your goddamn name right because you're another episode of Bitches on Pitches. Yeah. Benjamin Mindy. Let me explain to you. You are the exact person that I, if I'm ever blessed with kids, I hope they never grow up to be like your cheating ass. Because what you did is an indictment to anybody that has integrity. And if you have integrity, you wouldn't have done that. You would have got your ass up and you would have tried to stop Cornet from scoring the goal. And maybe you would have because you're six foot fucking six. (laughs) And maybe you would have made a play. But no, you chose to take the bitches on pitches route. I mean, he's got a future at Tottenham. Let's be honest. Yeah. When it doesn't work out for you at Chelsea, you can go be a bitch at a pitch with a banana up your ass over there at fucking shite heart lane. Yeah. So I'm and sick and tired of watching these people fake injuries. I cannot stand it. And thank you, David Moyes, for calling it out. But Mindy, I can't believe I'm saying this, bro. Keppa, I thought, was the biggest bitch I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. You're worse than him. Not only do does Chelsea have one bitch on a pitch in Keppa, now they have two bitches on pitches. And I'm just sick and tired of seeing this shit to try and bend the rules to, into your favor to get a call because you want to cheat the system instead of taking your lumps. When I pissed somebody off, we went behind the shed and we solved it. Yeah. I didn't sit there and go crying to mommy and daddy and be like, Oh my God, he hurt me. Fuck you, bro. No. Grow up. You acted like a foot that grazed over your arm. I mean, if your arm didn't need to get amputated after that with the way you acted, maybe you've been sleeping with Neymar. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I'm calling it out now. I am sick and tired of these bitches on pitches. Benjamin Mindy, you are the latest person to fall into that unwanted category. And I hope your girlfriend hears this. And if you do, slide in my DMs, baby. I'll show you what a man's like. Ah, nice. I like it. So uh, my red is going to go to fucking VAR. I'm seriously, I don't know what else I could say at this point about what a fucking dumpster fire this is. And it's like we've talked about it earlier, so I don't have to go, you know, wax poetic on this. But the technology is there to try to fix the problems that happened on the pitch, not to exacerbate them. And that is a hundred percent what has fucking happened. And it is mind boggling that you have people that are professionally paid to do a job. They cannot fucking do. So at the end of the day, it's either you fucking fix it or you fucking get rid of it because I would rather that the call on the field stands even if it's wrong and we can fucking celebrate a goal without sitting on pins and needles as to how this fucking corrupt, incompetent sack of shits will find a way to fuck us over. My asshole at this point 
When I fart, it's like a cough because I've been fucked in the ass so many times by these fucking VAR refs. I'm just, I just want to be able to sit down Tex without wincing. How is that too much to fucking ask for? I mean, give me a, give me a break. Oh my God. Another moment of listen to Liam. (laughs) I love it. Well, that brings us to the close of the show. And always we end on a hurt note. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to say thank you to listening. Thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us the platform in, in order to give you our shitty take on what we think has happened. Obviously, we know um, show's not fun for you to listen to. So why don't you get involved with the show? Yeah. Hit us up at on Twitter at A-H-R-W-H-U. You can also um, hit us up at American Hammers Network or, um, um, yeah, I believe American Hammers Network on Facebook and Twitter, I believe is... Uh, what they are. And then if you want to get involved with Liam and I personally, you can hit us up at, at Fresno irons through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all the same at Fresno irons, no spaces. Um, and let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you could do it better. Hell, if you're good enough, we'll bring your ass on and the bar's pretty low. Yeah. So do not sit there and worry. Um, we'd love to hear from what you are. We know there was 23 of you that listen to us now. So I want to thank all 23 of you. And I do it. Oh, holy fucking shit. Dude, we that? like doubled. We're at 45. There are 45 idiots. Listen. Yeah, I'm calling you out. You're wasting an hour of your life listening to the Bearded Bastards radio. But nonetheless, we do appreciate your time. Please feel free to get involved at any time that you would like. Um, And if you find yourself in Fresno, California, this Sunday morning at 6 a.m., and you go, holy shit, West Ham United is playing. Come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company and watch with Fresno's loudest group, probably the best. Fresno Irons will be there. Your first beer is on us. Once again, thank you uh, for listening. Uh, My name is Tex, and for Liam, and as always, come come on, on, you irons. irons.